0: I'm yeah, here. It's time. So, you know, we going to start from the bottom and bring it to the top. Uh, cuz we're going to rise and we're going to rise and we're going to rise to the top. Uh, I don't edit uh-uh. the show. uh uh-uh. uh So, whatever we say is what we say. I'm good with that. Okay. All right. Alrighty. So, hi, everyone. It's been a minute. I hope that y'all listened to the last episode with Ron from Just Some Herbs and felt bad about everything that you ate for Thanksgiving, but that's a combo for another day. Um, Today, though, I am here with the lovely Taylor Dunn and she is the beautiful mom of one of my dearest friends, and I've mentioned her on the podcast before, Sabrina. Um, She was the reason I got Dan on, and you guys should have been tracking him since the show and what he's been doing in fashion and styling for men specifically. So thanks, because she is a plug, the plug, my plug. And (laughs) her mom is a licensed clinical psychotherapist, And because we are doing new things with the show this season in relation to what it means to do something from the bottom up, it was um, and is an honor to have her here because I think one thing that we haven't leaned into at all uh, on the show is mental health. And she's here today to talk us through, you know, some ways in which we can keep our health of our mind. Yes, I said that. Keep our health of our minds and what that can look like when you're starting out, i.e. hence from the bottom up. It's a struggle, it's a journey. Um, There are people who are afraid of therapy, who hesitate. And so hopefully you can take this episode with you on your journey for sound mind and heart as you embark on what that looks like for you as a whole. So welcome, Miss Taylor Dunn. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so very happy to have you. First of all, y'all though, she came through with the bottega. So we always gonna hit on. <laughs> We're gonna hit on the fashion a bit. Mamas came pumping through the door like I'm here. <laughs> and I looked down and was like, Yes, you are with the bottega um boots, miss. Yes, I see you. Are they comfy? <laughs> Okay. She was like, I'm present. <laughs> Hair laid, pearls on, black going. Thank <laughs> you. Red oh. lipstick, took the shades off, put they the glasses look. on.
1: <laughs> well, you know, my daughter's very fashionable. She is. But I taught her everything that she knows. <laughs> she did. She did. I did. Tell her, mother. Okay. Tell her. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be you if it wasn't me. <laughs>
0: Yes, she does. (laughs) That is hilarious. Well, I'm happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And we kind of started riffing a little bit before we recorded, started recording, recording officially. And one of the things I wanted to talk through first in relation to like a from the bottom up experience and building mental health is what can someone do to to start that? Like, how does that Mm. how how can you Begin to work through accepting that you might be feeling a way, and then what are some steps that they can take to begin to
1: heal? That's a very uh, interesting question, and um, and I'm going to go from a cultural perspective because I do work primarily with women of color Mm -hmm. and uh, people of color. You know, broaden to that, but. You know, historically, we did not go to therapy. Mm -hmm. And so when I first started uh, working with women, I came through substance abuse. Okay, So I was working with them in substance abuse treatment programs. But I do remember uh, at a hospital setting where I was evaluating. And what I realized, uh, this particular black woman, is that young woman, this was in the crack cocaine epidemic, okay. and she had had her children removed and she was homeless yeah. and she was applying for welfare and they told her you gotta go see this psychotherapy person. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I had nine kids and not all of them oh in God. foster care. Yeah. And I'm saying, okay, I'm asking her my depression question. So, all right, do you have a low mood for the last 30 days, every yeah. day, all day? Nope. Okay. Have you this, this, that? Nope. Well, what about this? Nope. So I stopped and I said to her, I said, if you're not depressed, you ought to be. (laughs) So what I recognize. (laughs) That's not funny, but that's clutch, right? Yeah, (laughs) it is. Because what I realize is that we have so many uh, issues that Mm. are piled upon us as women of color, people of color, that we're in a perpetual state of depression that we don't even realize.
0: Mm, Wait,
1: can you say that again? We have so many things piled upon us as people of color mm-hmm. that we are in a perpetual state of depression and we don't even realize it. And that's the key right there. And that's the key. You don't realize it. And so so then therapy is not common to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, as common as it is now, it is, it's much better now. Yeah. So what I do a lot of in my practice is psychoeducation, but people do have to come to a point of realization that something's not working. And mm-hmm. I get people who have been suffering with like a symptom 5 years mm-hmm. before they finally decided that they're going to make that call. It can be very difficult for people to mm-hmm. admit that they themselves are not handling something well. Right. And it usually takes some kind of traumatic instance. Yeah. You know, Case in point, I have a a woman that I'm seeing, and she is of uh, Jamaican culture. They really don't do that. Yeah, Caribbean people
0: in general are very much against a lot of.
1: But her job sent her. Yeah, okay. Okay. And so a lot of people who come from their jobs, people of color, something has to happen. Yeah. And she had an episode with her supervisor. Okay. And so they said, okay, we're not going to fire you, but you need to get some help. That's how I got her. Got it. So, you know, and then. People ask, oh, how do I deal with anger management? And I don't I don't give strategies for anger management. Mm-hmm. I work with the issues that made you angry. Right, right, okay, right, the, right, The core issues. So we have a lot of core issues, mm-hmm. you know, that accumulate over our lifetime. Yeah. Until then, something is just so heavy that you just can't. Right, you, break. You, break. Yeah, you, you break. You break. Yeah. You break. Yeah. You break. And then... You might make that phone call.
0: Right. So if if a person, though, has broken and they know that they need some sort of support, but maybe mm-hmm. they still really aren't ready to make that phone call,
1: what would you advise they do? Make the phone call. <laughs> make the phone call. Stop. Stop. You know. Yeah. Make the phone call. Yeah. Um. Because that's really how you're going to get the support.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If, you, if you've if you tried all those kind of things, you know, talking, sometimes you're talking to friends. Yeah. And generally what you get back from friends is the same thing that you give them, the same thing that you know they know.
0: Right, right, right. You
1: know, and then you kind of just like, oh, that just it's mushing shit around. Yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. mushing it around. And... And then you can, you know, friends are supportive. Parents are really supportive. If you have a parent that you could talk to, if you have a network of people Mm -hmm. that you can talk to. But lots of people finally come to therapy because they just start getting back. You know, that's my friend. She loves me. You know, she just go, yeah, girl, you right. Yeah, girl, you right. Right, right. You know, when you need to go to a deeper level. And they don't know.
0: Right, right.
1: So make the phone call.
0: Okay. So let's make the phone call. What do you do to help ease a person's angst around the fact that they've just made the phone call? Like how are how are mm-hmm. what are your sort of like um ex- ex- integration steps? How do you pull them into just they made that they made that call, now they need to be comfortable with the Next thing, and how do you get them to that point?
1: The first thing I do is I answer the phone.
0: <laughs> That's the best thing to do, right? A ton of therapists
1: <laughs> do not. Oh, okay. A ton of therapists do not. I have people tell me, "Oh my God, you're the only one who picked up," because I realize that when people uh, make that call, yeah, they're in crisis. Hmm. So I always try to answer the phone when okay. I when someone is calling, and and I do a pre-screen. Okay. Over the phone. So my first thing is to kind of find out, so, you know, what's going on, a little bit about who you are. And what I'm doing is I'm assessing um, if your issue matches my skill set.
0: Right. Makes sense.
1: Yes. And because if I can help you. Right. If it's something that I, that, uh, you know, for example, once I got a guy who called me and he uh, had some uh, sex addiction. I don't do sex addiction. mm mm-hmm. So,
0: So how does sex addiction... Oh, I'm sorry. Sex addiction... I mean it's a mental thing, right? But what's different about something like that cuz I think that okay. sometimes Okay. What's different
2: for yeah. me is
1: that so I said match my skill set. Mm-hmm. I don't have a skill set that's going to handle him. Okay. And then I think about myself as a therapist too. I don't want to hear his sex problems. <laughs> he he looks scary. He could be a rapist. He could be a lot of things. I mean I'm I mean I'm not the person best right. suited for that. Okay. So a lot of times when people do select their therapist, they are looking for people who work in that area. Okay, I have some specialty it. areas. Okay. You know, Understood. so if you go to your insurance company, which is where you normally go first to mm-hmm. find uh, some resources, they have a list of all the areas that I work in. Mm-hmm. Okay. I that, understand. that are my okay. specialties. And so I wouldn't take his case because I'm not really well equipped. Here's the biggest thing for me. I don't have any empathy for him. Mm. And you need empathy. Got it.
0: You in know, order to
1: aid. Yes. I, uh, when I was in my doctorate program and they asked us to design our practice and I said, oh, I want to work with black women. Mm-hmm. All the white people in my class, because you know, I was the only one in the class. Right, right. They, I mean, they got in my butt about what do you mean? Which is just what I said.
2: Yeah. You know,
1: I want to work with women of color because there's nobody specializing in
2: us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I
1: say us because I'm one of us. Correct. You know. Yeah. And so I'm really passionate about, I saw your, your poster there, uh, <laughs> issues that women of color, I've yeah. experienced them. You talked yeah. about from the bottom up. It's not much that my clients bring to me that I don't know about right. in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It's yeah. touched my own life. Yeah. And and so I have great empathy, and that makes me really good.
0: Yeah, and that, I think, if I can just, I'm going to interject for a second, that is one of the things that just, as a person who is still I'm not not open to therapy. I think part of why I haven't actually mm. moved through that is what you just said in that there is something to be said for someone who has experienced what you have gone through to some degree. So for me, I know that most of my issues stem from my father's passing mm-hmm. and not because he wasn't a great father, more because I feel that I was robbed of time. Okay, So I need someone who understands Stands grief on that level and okay. who's experienced grief of someone who they revered so greatly mm-hmm. and wanted all the time that they could have and had built their life upon which they would believe that person would still be around and that's a very different uh-huh. so to the point of like mm-hmm. what I'm saying net net is as everyone mm-hmm. is working through what their next step should be make sure you're reaching out to the right type of person because that too I think is what could deflect a person from wanting to do it because maybe they got somebody bad before and they weren't really in tune with what their needs truly were. They were just kind of like doing a job. So it's, I I commend you for actually being honest with yourself Mm. about what you're willing to do and take on and not just say this is what I do for work so like I'll talk to anybody.
1: You know, yes. And and I do work with non-colored people, and I'm good Mm -hmm. with them because pain is pain. Right. You know, but I I appreciate your comment in reference to experience because, you know, I don't use... I use my my academic, but that's not really the core. Yeah. You know, so the success of therapy is the person of the therapist. That's Mm -hmm. what makes the greatest difference in the outcome. Um, The other outcome is... Who you're matched with, mm-hmm. and all the research says that you you do better with a person of your own ethnicity. Mm-hmm. This has been researched. Yeah, yeah. But there's not a lot of therapists of color, so yeah. when you call, you may not get that necessarily. Yeah, you should still take therapy if you can, but you want somebody who you feel comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: How old were you when your dad passed away? I had just turned thirty. Okay. Yeah. So my mom died when I was 26. Okay. And so if you called me and you were talking about, you know, yeah. you're a young woman and this was the grief that you were experiencing, I wouldn't necessarily say to you, oh, yeah, well, my mom died too. Yeah. yeah. But I would understand. Correct. What exactly where you are mm-hmm. and some of the things that you're going to have to cope with going forward. Yeah. And what some of those feelings could be.
0: Yeah. How does. One, um, what are your recommendations for truly putting into action what is happening in your therapy session? Because okay. I feel like sometimes people go to therapy and they just, it's like a, it's become a topic du jour, right? Absolutely. People love to say, get therapy, I have a therapist, whatever, but Absolutely. but they're not even taking heed to or Absolutely. acting on what they're allegedly learning in session so it's either okay. like you not doing the right thing or your therapist is not doing the right thing so like what what right. do you suggest is done
1: very good question because taylor Dunn, i do not play <laughs> there's a ton I can of tell. i said
0: she came stomping up in her here with right. them hangers on. <laughs>
1: there's a ton of people out there who need therapy and i'm not looking for somebody so i'm committed mm-hmm. and so i tell my people um I will work hard for you, but if I think I'm working harder for you than you're working for you, then we got a problem.
2: Yeah. Okay? Yeah.
1: But the thing that I, I t- psychoeducation is what I teach a mm-hmm. lot whips mm-hmm. people of color cuz they don't they never had this experience, so they don't really know what they're doing. Yeah. Uh I'm not a venting place. I'm not a garbage can for you to just come and drop your shit and vent. Venting is not therapy.
0: Mm.
1: I teach them That's things. That's good though. Venting is not therapy. Venting that shit is not on therapy. A you know, mm, okay, good. And so, <laughs> I teach them about reflection and introspection. Expound. And what I mean is that when we're, first we, after we've decided that we're going to work together, we, we set goals. Mm-hmm. What's, what your issues are diagnosed, what your, what your issues, we agree this is what we're going to be working on. Mm-hmm. So, your weekly session is divided into two parts. I call one of them reflections, and I call the other one your agenda. The reflections are what we talked about last week. Because mm-hmm. I tell my clients, you get an hour, you get a 45-minute hour yeah. with your therapist. It's 168 hours in the week. Right. The rest of those hours, you are with you. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to be taking something out of that interaction mm-hmm. and ruminating about it, thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll a spur you to change or shift or try Mm -hmm. something new or something different. Mm -hmm. That's what the therapy is. You actually do the therapy. Mm. You actually do the work. Mm -hmm. That's the work. So if I get somebody who's coming to me every week, I got a couple of people like that. Yeah. And, uh, it's just the same stuff every, you know, and you just, you know, and you're not, then I'm going to address that. Yeah. I'm going to address that, you know, uh, one of my greatest gifts as a therapist is that I'm confrontive.
2: Mm.
0: So Min- do you find that typically that's not the way therapists are? They kind of just sit back and like, is it is it more sit back and be quiet? Is it passive aggressive?
1: Like, what do you think it's is typically more, the case? It's more, uh, you know, Eurocentric training taught therapists to sit back and be quiet and allow the patient to do the and that's thinking inside, mm-hmm. and that they do all the work, and you just sit back. And every now and then, you pull, you stick a question in there, like, oh, "How does that make you feel?" So I tell people, I am not that therapist.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: first of all, I'm very interactive because we as people of color, are interactive. We, are, right. we go to the movies, movies right. we talking, right. you know, we clapping. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go to right. the white theater, they're like. Shh, shh, shh. Right, 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 right. So we're very interactive. I'm interactive. Yeah. And so I'm talking with you. This is a conversation. Mm-hmm. And I ask questions hmm. to get you to go to those deeper levels that I know you need to go to. Mm-hmm. And if you don't go to them, then I'm asking questions about what's happening for you that this, you're not going, you know, right to those kind of deeper levels. But I, I really have to teach people of color how to be in a therapy process. Mm -hmm. And really, you know, I stand on the position that the work is done by you, not really really by me. I make awarenesses. Mm. You got to do the work. Yeah. You know, and if you come back every week and you're not working, then we're going to have a problem. Right. And
0: that would kind of I mean, we have to make the call. I know you said that. I don't want you to um, punish (coughs) me for saying something that goes against what you're saying. That's fine. That's fine. um, That in and of itself, too, is not not suggesting that people don't get therapy. But please remember that part of that process is hard. Like you have to work. Whether you make a call or not, you have to work at something. So you you can either work at staying in your state, because that's also being <laughs> it's
1: <really> <laughs> or
0: you can work at taking yourself out of that state and and figuring out. Right. You know, that's when, yes, make that call. Because you can't you can't figure it out on your own. And mm-hmm. your family and your friends are mm-hmm. going to be as supportive as they can, but there's they can't do certain things at a certain level. So, but you have to do work. Work is required and necessary at all stages.
1: I appreciate what you said. And and to keep in mind, and the reason I answer my phone is because I know people are in crisis. And, and it's, it is hard. Yeah. Um, I have a therapist. Every therapist should have a therapist. Mm. I was trained that way. And so I've had to make those calls. And, you know, when I'm working through my own processes and I'm always I always have a third eye open for yeah. therapy with, you know, uh, what my clients experience. Like I remember when I, I lost a brother mm. and um, I was evaluating a person for depression <clears throat> and there was a particular question that I had been asking week after week after yeah. week and just going, oh, OK, check, yeah, check. And when I was now experiencing some loss, I asked that question, and then I go, "Oh, yeah, that's what that feels like." Yeah. So it, you know, I was trained that a therapist should always be in a therapeutic process mm. because that does keep you in touch with what a client can be going through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a bit firm as a therapist. Mm-hmm. I do modify and I am soft and I know how to be soft uh, when I need to be soft, but you know, I am an, a kind of an action oriented, let's let's do this. Yeah, we're gonna do be the work. in it. Yes, yeah. let's, let's go ahead and do this. Right. I tell people it's not easy, it's not a feel good necessarily, mm-hmm. it's gonna hurt and it's hard.
0: Yeah, I think that's one thing that so the beauty of uh, social media Because it's good and bad and indifferent, but it's that's one thing about it is just the access that we have to see so many things um, from people going through in real time their own experiences Mm -hmm. to maybe something that you are able to read and digest. Um, So I do appreciate social media in in that sense of telling people being open and honest about what is actually happening and how they have to work really hard to make something else happen for themselves. Mm-hmm. And this whole, you know, sugarcoat that n- normally would take place or things that we might not have been able to see. Again, we now mm-hmm. have the opportunity to see that in on Instagram or TikTok or like wherever it is. But then on the flip side, it's like you also can't go to those places for therapy so what do you think about or rather have you thought of integrating yourself into those spaces to do some of that work because you have like pages like we are we are the urban I think that's what it's called we the urban or something and they are they they do a lot of um they post a lot of like quotables yes and most of them are to me centered around some sort of mental state that Mm -hmm. you can be in do you have aversion to those types of things or do you would you see yourself being able to come into that space and like in your like educational way to at least open up the door for people who might need to make that call but will pick up their phone Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. and not dial it but they'll go and scroll
1: okay That's such a good question for me. Thank you for asking that. (laughs) Um, And I kind of think that I struggle. Mm -hmm. I struggle with that. um, My... Concept of therapy, one, it's this private, mm-hmm. I'm in private practice,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and, and I see the quotables, and I love them. I think they're all great. I generally have, I have had clients come to me and say, oh, I've been doing the Black Girls for Mental Health on Instagram, but mm-hmm. that doesn't really get to your issues, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then I realized that I had to call somebody Mm -hmm. right so I've had I have had clients who have used those things and they've sort of introduced me to the ideas of that I kind of feel though like you know therapy can be so personal yeah I'm going deep yeah I don't know how to do nothing else but go deep yeah and it's personal and for example, one of my specialties is childhood sex abuse trauma. Mm. Okay, trauma in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I think that's such a a good topic to talk about on right. a social in a media social platform. That makes sense. You know, so you can only stay light. You know, with a quotable kind of a dynamic, you yeah, know. Yeah. And some of those are really, they're really great. I enjoy them. I don't have time to do them. Yeah. I would need to hire somebody to do something like that for yeah. me. Hence, that would be my daughter manager's right, right. area. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's something. <laughs> that's I something. Don't read them. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know, that's something that she might want to set up for me. I've had some of my clients say, I, you need to have something right. like that. Yeah. Um, You know. And I'm kind of in a space, too, of transformation for my Mm -hmm. practice, Mm -hmm. trying to, so many people are calling me. Yeah. They're calling me, like, on Sundays. I had someone call today. Yeah. I answered the phone, and I just really said, okay, I'm just checking in. If you don't want to hurt yourself or somebody else, please call back tomorrow during business hours. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, because
1: I need my Sunday, too. Right. But this is happening so much, so frequently now since we've gone through COVID. Right, right. People can imagine how much...
0: Well, we see it, right? Yeah, It's not even imagined. We get to see see every day what the effects of being alone, really. Like, actually, let's talk about that. What, What are some... What is your recommendation for people who actually don't know how to be with themselves. Like mm. how can you get, how can someone listen to this and say, all right, I, I definitely know that I'm not the person that can be alone. So maybe I need to like do this. What would you recommend someone does?
1: That's interesting. I'm not going to necessarily, if you're going to be alone, right? So I teach mindfulness meditation. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to, be with the self, there's a difference in being alone and being lonely. Correct, absolutely. Right. So if you're lonely, you need to sort of learn how to make connections. Okay. Having a therapist it teaches you how to connect Mm -hmm. it's a regular once a week same time same station Mm -hmm. i know there's someone who i'm going to be able to talk to objectively so you connect we now have a therapeutic relationship right my idea is that you're going to be able to replicate creating that relationship in other areas of your your life. life yeah when I think about being alone, because a healthy person should have alone time every day, right? And that's where meditation is really um, instrumental. And meditation is so awesome mm-hmm. because it it teaches the brain it 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 reformats the brain. Okay. So we can be very rigid in how we think about something. So sometimes if you're by yourself and you don't know how to reach out, yeah. you know, but your 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 brain can't help you figure it out. Right. But in the meditation process, it creates different pathways. And some of those pathways, you might have a different idea about how to go about doing something. Got it. And then reach out and do something differently. Um the interesting topic of loneliness is that so many people do all kinds of things to avoid being alone. Yeah. All kind of really 99.9% relationships that people are in is about avoiding aloneness. Yeah. Yeah. And we are to be connected in relationships. That's not a bad thing, but if you connect and stay connected to a relationship, that's not good for you. Right. Just to avoid being alone, now we're really talking about how do you develop a sense of yourself. I mm-hmm. call that your internal infrastructure.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: You have to learn to develop how to like yourself, yeah, you know, how to appreciate who you are,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and learn. Who you you are? are. Yeah, you know, and so then we go on journeys around that where we'll use positive affirmations and we'll use mirror work. And what's mirror work? You look in the mirror. It's real simple. I I thought so, but I wanted to make sure that that's what that was. Like I'm looking in the mirror right now, and I might (laughs) say, "Not fixing your hair." (laughs) You know, however you do, however you look, I do it when I look good. I do it when I don't look good. It's like. You're a bad bitch, bitch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I love you. I love and accept you exactly as you are. When I ain't got my wigs on, you know, I ain't got no makeup on, I'm still a bad bitch. And I need to look in that mirror, look dead in my eye and say that. And people struggle with that. So, mirror work is looking in the mirror, full body, I teach them, looking at every part of yourself, sending it love sending it acceptance. Mm. So not going to your man, not going to your girl to get that. Right. That it comes from the inside of you. So then when you go to your man, you go with a level of confidence that says, "Yo, I'm a bad bitch." Right, right. You know. Right. So parenting is a hard thing and our parent generations did not know how to address the emotional side of who children are. I mm-hmm. didn't know it. Mm-hmm. I had to learn it. Mm-hmm. And most generations of color had no idea. Yeah. It was like, you sit in the corner and you shut up. You's a kid. Right, 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 right. You know, white people are like, oh, it's just my child. How do you feel? You yeah. know, we, we ain't getting none of that stuff. Right,
0: right, right, right.
1: <laughs> so you have to learn to self-parent. You mm-hmm. have to parent yourself now. Mm. You're an adult. Mm-hmm inside now is this growing adult who's got to deal with the little child on the inside yeah yeah. so everybody got an inner child it's called inner child work Mm -hmm. and we do a a lot of things around that as well okay identifying that inner child Mm -hmm. talking to that inner child teaching that inner child that now there is an adult that's going to take care of it that's me yeah yeah. You know, things like that to yeah. really start to build you up on the inside so that you raise your sense of self-esteem and confidence. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to relationships, you don't look for the partner to do Ninety percent of that, you gotta come with eighty. Yeah, you don't look for that validation. You need validation, but you. It, but if you're a box, I call it you're a your box. If your box is empty, mm-hmm. your partner gotta work real hard, mm, and they fair. and they really can't do it. Yeah, that's why a lot of relationships break too. Yeah. Um, if you come with your box at least halfway filled, mm-hmm. then when they you won't be as needy. Mm -hmm. you won't be as needy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so you have to learn to do that for yourself
0: yeah yeah but so let's actually talk about validation really quick because i think
1: it's a big one
0: (laughs) right i feel like so validation i think and i know that everyone doesn't have the opportunity to have this happen in their childhood or even at any point i think validation should come from your parents like you they should tell you everything about you that's beautiful and that is the stamp when you go out in the world there would be nothing that can combat that because you got it from where it mattered mm-hmm. mattered the most so how and we we're talking about all this so some of it might be redundant in the response for the answer but for someone who wasn't validated at home mm-hmm. and who, so their box is empty yeah because they like where else could it have began
1: to be filled it would have had to have had started then i do agree with you that initially that's where it begins is uh in the parental system uh with the parent you know but then as I said earlier, that Mm -hmm. our parents, they didn't have that. So they don't have it. Mm. They don't have it to give because their generation of parents didn't have it, you know. So what's being passed down to us, you know, is a lack of that kind of validation of of who you are, because, you know, historically, our generations are just about trying to survive. Right, right. So your generation, in my opinion, has like, highest levels of education, highest income, and are past surviving, you moved into thriving, mm-hmm. hence kinda like your ideal business dynamic that you guys have put together here. Right. You're moving into the thrive. And so when you're thriving, you could dream. Mm-hmm. When you're surviving, you ain't got time for no dream. You ain't got time to tell no kid oh you beautiful cuz I, I got I got to go to work. It's just me working. Y'all better get yourselves in the bed, you better feed yourself. You better do this. You better right, do that. Right. So, those parental systems ideally should start that process, mm-hmm. and some of them do even yeah. in those struggles. Yeah,
0: I'm going to interject quick and say thank you mommy and daddy. Go ahead. good. Because Very I, good. Na- I my sisters and I, we na- I think we always say that our parents did us a service and a disservice. <laughs> the disservice—I'll so start with that first—is that we are so brutally confident in who we are, and and I know people have been like bashing the word "brutal" when somebody says, "Oh, now brutally, auntie," like, no, you just want to be mean. It's like y'all are doing the most. People don't literally mean they want to be mean; they're just using the word "brutal", brutal as the adjective to describe sure. strength, right? So we're we're so who we are. Um, and that was because I never there wasn't ever a moment in my home where neither of my parents did not tell me that they loved me mm-hmm. um, that they did not tell me that I was something someone of value with mm-hmm. value had value to give mm-hmm. and that I couldn't do or be whatever I wanted. right. It came with some. I'll say, and for my dad, there was a little, some structure around it, right? Like, he'd be like, you could do whatever you wanna do, but you have to go to school. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was that kind <laughs> yes. of stuff. It was like, yes. yeah, you could do whatever you wanna do, but you better go do your homework. Like, you yes. know, stuff like that. Yes. But at the same time, it was when you get to a place of like figuring out yourself, you have been given what you needed to actually act on that, whatever I wanna do. Right. So I'm, I, I know that in that instance, I'm a, a blessed mm-hmm. because. I know that people don't have that... Even if they come from a two-parent home. like My dad was very active at home. He wasn't right. just there. Right. And my relationship... Our relationship with him... Wasn't a byproduct of our relationship with our mother. Mm-hmm. We had a relationship with him. We had a relationship right. with mommy. So I, I, I always... I try, at least me, as a person... To take a step back when I'm dealing with people... That I know struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Because that wasn't my story. And when I was growing up, actually... I would try sometimes so hard to find a reason to be mad with them because so many people around me like hated their parents. Yes, and it was yes. I would just and then I finally got to a place where I was like, "I don't the fuck is wrong with y'all and y'all's parents?" But <laughs> yeah, we we sh- I'm good. Like yeah. it wasn't perfect because there's no such thing, right? But uh, and so now I'm. I think my. um what I can give to somebody else looking is to mm-hmm. just show them that everybody didn't have that experience. Like, right. it's possible for you to have been loved at home. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I'm showing you and I'm showing you what that looks like. So, like, maybe when you build your home, you might not have right. had it, but, like, right. indirectly, right. you see it. So, that actually leads me to another question. How How do you suggest people to begin to, like, associate or align themselves with good things? So that they can, they're like, you, you, there is a th- therapy, I'm doing air quotes, in mm-hmm. like your circle of influence.
2: Mm-hmm. So if
0: you constantly are around people that are always talking about the same things or oh, everybody mm-hmm. only is friends because everybody, I'm making it up, hates their father,
2: mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what? How do you suggest the person starts to walk out of that circle and maybe finds another one that can help them heal from the hate that they might have for their father, just as an example.
1: I think you just got... The person themselves has to bottom out on it. Mm. You got to bottom out on it and you got to recognize that something is not working for you. Mm-hmm. And then you may have to then reach out. Now, if you do that, as I say, you decide yeah. you want to call a therapist, right? right whatever, then you've already made the greatest step, mm-hmm. you know, and so now, in our dialoguing back and forward, we're gonna go into the issues of what happened for you as, a, as child a child in your parental system, yeah, and then we're gonna try to heal those things so that you become the uh the person that you. Would have been had you had that, mm. okay? Mm-hmm. Had you had that, mm-hmm. and you know, um, like you were saying, you came from a loving environment, and that is really great. And and so, some of us come from that, and some of us don't, yeah. You know, in, in the culture, there's so many more actually who don't, yeah, but there are those that do, and then you still have areas and issues mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even when you come from uh, a very loving environment stuff can happen yeah like, of course you know even like you said the devastation of losing your dad yeah is, wow mm-hmm. you know um to have that and then to lose that
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's, that's big. trauma that's yeah that's trauma yeah, yeah. and so you know Interesting, when you talk about joining groups of people, uh, I kind of, I do a lot of work with adolescents. I started specializing in adolescent development stage. And as an adolescent in high school, I always go back to that with people. Mm-hmm. What, what group did you belong to? Because we choose our groups in adolescence. Mm. We start connecting to like-mindedness. You know, and you got the jocks and the popular kids. Right. You got the nerd group. Can't belong to the nerds unless you're making good grades. Right. Can't belong to the jocks unless you're athletic. If you're pretty girl, you could be possibly in the popular group, you know. And then you have your your outcast group, the not so smart kids. And then what they'll start doing is they start skipping school and smoking weed and drinking alcohol. And all you got to do is have a dollar to get in that group. Right? A dollar, you know, be ready to skip class and put a dollar down on the bag, and you in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And. People say, oh, he's just hanging around the bad, wrong group of people. But you choose that group because you're trying on your own identity. Mm. You're trying to find out who you are. And those groups reflect who you are trying to, to be, be, you yeah. know. And if you're unsure and you're lost, you end up with the smoking weed Right. Group, right. you know. Right, Um, So you got to figure out that it's not working. Mm-hmm. You want something different. Mm -hmm. If you make a call, I might be able to help you. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how willing you are to make, to take suggestions and make adjustments. Help yourself. You must be willing to help yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be ready to say, I'm going to do this.
0: So I want to hit on two other things before we wrap. Okay. Um, this was an amazing. Like I feel like I'm having therapy right now. Probably a <laughs> <yeah>. um, <laughs> L- little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to touch on just for sort of like the season that we're in. Oh and, yes. Um, okay. How does how do what are steps that people can take to help keep their mental health, you know, sound during this time of year? It's hard for people just. Overall, with the fact that it gets, they have people have seasonal depression, so it gets dark yes. early, and yes. then that has an effect, or people get depressed in general just because it's holiday time, mm-hmm. and that has an effect. So, what are some of your recommendations for this time of year around that, and mm-hmm. how people can just like stay healthy and happy?
1: So interestingly, you had said the seasonal uh, affective disorder, we call it sad, and I have that myself. Me too. (laughs) And, you know, the lack of sun. So there's a few things you got to try to do. First of all, you should be taking vitamin D Mm -hmm. because we generally get it from the sun. When we don't have sun, then we lack vitamin D. It's a very important vitamin and hormone that helps us stabilize our moods as well. Yeah. One of the things I like to do in the morning is sunbathe. Okay, is like if there's sun coming through your window, it can feel warm. Mm-hmm. So I like to put my face in it and just, you know, my, my former husband taught me that. You tr- just try to get some sunlight. Mm-hmm. Get light. Go out. Uh, walk. Mm-hmm. Be, be in nature as much as you can. Um, it was affecting me in a way that I wasn't sleeping well. And so I really... I practice Qigong, which is kind of like a Tai Chi. okay um, is very meditative. It's exercise oriented. I work out, I do um, Pilates. Mm-hmm. I go to the gym now. You know, that I lift weights. That really, really does us. Working out um, creates uh, serotonin and dopamine in the exact way that medication tries to create it artificially. Right. But exercise creates it naturally Naturally. in your body. Mm -hmm. So when I get clients who don't want to take medication, I say, okay, are you willing to work out? Yeah. Three, four times a week. Yeah. I have a current young lady like that right now. And she started last week. She's like, okay, she worked out four times a week. She did her dance routines, whatever, whatever. Because she doesn't want to take the medication. She's probably beyond that now. She really is going to need the medication. But we're trying it now. Right, right. We do alternative. So I do try to teach alternative Alternative. ways to Mm -hmm. medication. But- those kind of things, you know, working out and then meditation, mm-hmm. meditation, 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 meditation. So,
0: like Headspace, guys, and Calm. These are apps that you can use. You can use the apps. Y'all gonna have to give me a check, but go ahead. Okay.
1: <laughs> you don't even really need apps. I, 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 I listen to Calm and all of that. And you know, it's like uh, I like quiet. Okay. I learn to meditate in silence. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so. I was listening to this agape uh, meditator, Michael Beck, with this morning. He talked too much. (laughs) He used to shut (laughs) the fuck up, okay? Because this is about being quiet. This is about me listening to me. He talking too much.
0: Right, right. Um, This is a distraction. But you can
1: try those things, yes, if that helps you. Because, you know, meditation, I like to say that if you're meditated up, it'll make you happy for no reason. Mm -hmm. That's how good that shit is. Mm -hmm. You'll be happy for no reason. And so I, I do teach... Uh, meditation to my clients as alternative ways to deal with that during the holiday season it's a tough time for lots of people for Mm -hmm. lots of different reasons uh let's say for loss Mm -hmm. and if you lost someone around the holiday time and now it's holiday time and so so I'm a big believer in rituals Mm. and so like anniversaries of someone that you lost you know I had said earlier that I lost my mom at 26. And so every year on her birthday, you know, she loved pink roses. And so I would go out and buy roses and light a candle. That helped me, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, did the same for my sisters who passed away. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do an empty chair. You can have them at the ceremony or or Mm -hmm. at the event. Mm Mm-hmm. If you know, a lot of people don't think about the spirit, the soul of the persons who passed away, but they say that they come to all of your holiday events. Mm -hmm. So they are there. Yeah. You know, so you can acknowledge them, you know, set a plate for your ancestors, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, talk to them as guardian angels, Mm -hmm. you know, your Mm -hmm. dad is absolutely watching over you. We with her right now. He's, yeah. he, right now. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel it, like, right now. Yeah. And so they do participate in your life in a ton of different ways, and you have to, you know, acknowledge that. So when you sit and you're quiet, you meditate, you do rituals, you know. Um, but this is a time of year when you got to go hard to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, I was saying I wasn't sleeping well, and it was like, oh, I did meditation, I did my qigong, I did my Pilates, yeah. you know, I'm doing all of the things that I tell my clients to do, yeah, because I believe in that, yeah, you yeah. know, um and that's that's it. You have to try, you know, and I for me, greatest one of all, two. Exercise and meditation. Exercise and meditation.
0: Yeah. And then the last thing I want to touch on is retail therapy. Okay. <laughs> I mean what's your record for that? Because that is me. I, I will so I was saying before we started um recording that if I if something comes to mind to me that's very frustrating at times, like my dad passing, or I don't know, maybe something didn't go the way that I wanted it to go or whatever. Like it could be a multitude of things. I find peace in like buying stuff. I'm not gonna do it to my detriment or to be in debt. But I'm like, oh, I like I like those shoes and I might have been looking at them for a while and then that one trigger just Swipe. So I'm done and I move on. But then I feel I'm fine, like I'm a, I'm good. But until how, the next time, okay. So right, let's go into that a little bit. So how? What else could outside of making a call? Because I know we got to make the call. I get it. <laughs> but Girl, what to. else? What you'll else could to. be? What could be done? I'm not. I'm not going to say like to replace retail therapy, but like, what's a technique? that someone who potentially or who does not potentially who literally will that's their immediate go-to what could what would you kind of like recommend they do right before they click buy?
1: This is interesting. We buy them um, yeah <laughs> this is interesting and so so but my basic kind of thought process around the retail as therapy kind of dynamic is is that we really are choosing something that helps us, in the moment, mm-hmm. deal with difficult emotions.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a distraction. Mm-hmm. It, it literally just distracts you away from the emotions that you're feeling. It doesn't handle the emotions. Fair. Which really means, then, that that emotion just comes back when it's triggered again. Fair. And it comes back and it comes back and you got to keep shopping and you keep shopping. And we do lots of things to distract us. Relationships mm-hmm. distract us. Mm-hmm. You know, um all kinds of things, you know, f- people use food in the same way, people mm-hmm. use drugs and it's all the same. Mm-hmm. And it just shifts us away from what we're feeling in the moment because it's difficult for us to feel that, difficult mm-hmm. to process mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um At some point, you're going to bottom out on distracting the self. Mm. And maybe when that point comes, a person might decide that they want to do something different. Um, But again, if I was just going to make a suggestion about coping strategies, I go back to my go-tos. Exercise and meditation. Mm -hmm. Exercise and meditation will help you feel better. Um, And won't cost you a penny, frankly.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and you can still go shopping when you want Wanting. to have those yes. nice things that you already want to have. But you won't necessarily be using it to avoid mm-hmm. the feeling. Um, you'll still feel great when you get it, but you'll be managing those feelings in a different way. Um, here's the thing I'm going to say to you about grief.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So how long how many years has it been since your dad? 9 this year. It's been 9 years you said that. So grief doesn't go away. Never. Hence you, why I have uh, if you don't go through it. Mm. It just waits for you.
2: Mhm.
1: It just waits for you. Mhm. And it'll raise his hand every now and then. Hey, yo, I'm here. You going to deal with me? No, I'm going shopping. <laughs> 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 right. Hence why I have... How, how, many, how many sneaker boxes are on
0: the wall right okay. now? Okay.
1: Okay. It's like... 86.
0: Okay. What? okay. That's just in the living room. That's okay. not the closets. 86
2: sneakers? Whoa. It, it's mostly oh,
0: sneakers. Of sneakers. And shoes. Oops, okay, shoes. Yeah, shoes. Same, okay. Yeah. yeah.
2: Don't feel bad. That's
0: just... Shoes. But that's not my closet. So...
1: The point of doing (laughs) the shopping, though, is really about how that tells me how much you're grieving and that it's been nine years and that you're you talking about you're talking about it. Mm -hmm. This is how I know when it's trauma. You're talking about the loss in a way that one would think it just
0: happened. It, uh, absolutely. It feels like it just happened every day. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That's because you're still stuck right where it yeah. happened. And you haven't allowed yourself to go through those really very painful feelings mm-hmm. that are there. Um, and I get it. Mm-hmm. I get it. I had sisters die. I was crying the other day. Yeah. Because when my older, my big sister died, she was like a mom to me. I didn't want to go through it. Yeah. So I, I, I did a workshop, I did a this, I did a that. I was like, I cannot feel like that. I do not want to feel like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it just waits for you. Yeah. And it's going to catch you in a moment when you can't get to a sneaker or you got so (laughs) many that it just ain't working no more. Yeah. And you may have to want to think about doing something differently Mm -hmm. about it. Mm Um Well, I used to I used to work out a lot
0: when he first passed. I worked out a lot, um, okay. and I go back and forth with working out. Sometimes it's annoying, so I have to go back to it because <laughs> it's just been it's been annoying in general lately. Not because of his dece him being deceased, but just the pandemic and being at home and everybody's, You know, you're sitting more, you're not moving around right. as much. So right. I was work. I have a trainer who I don't see like I'm supposed to, um, but I do use exercise as a tool to okay. keep me okay. mentally sharp and go forward to keep so, yeah. moving forward. Yeah. But
1: the real issues though for you are when grief comes up to, it also is sending a message that you're actually strong enough to go through it. Right. You're ready and you can go through it and you can do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, uh, teach my clients when we're doing grief. I did it for myself the other day, is like I let myself cry. Yeah. You know, I get that. Uh, I love uh, R- Roberta Flack. Chapter One. It was like the first album I ever owned in my life at age seventeen, and it's a <laughs> sad motherfucking album. And I put that album on, and I let myself cry. Yeah. And I did it for a couple days, and then I was like, oh, Okay, I'm sick of this. I'm shit. sick of it, right? Okay. And then I get up, and maybe, and then I started going back into my my chi and mm-hmm. my exercising, and for depression, there's lots of yoga for depression. I yeah. do yoga, so so that I could start to to climb out of that space but every time you cry you discharge you make a little bit more space in that that hole Mm -hmm. where the grief is you create light Mm -hmm. you let out some of that pain Mm -hmm. you know and so that just means when it comes instead of going shopping go Go get dad's picture. Go mm-hmm. go have a moment. Talk to dad. Cry to dad. Tell dad how much you miss him. Write a letter. Yeah. Let yourself have that. Yeah. It's not going to break you. mm Because it's been nine years you've been without him. You're going to be okay. Yeah. He's still going to see you through that process yeah. as well. Yeah. And so I teach my clients to make time for grief. mm you gotta make time gotta for make it. Gotta make time for it. I like that.
0: Yeah, make time for it. I'll take I'll I'll take that into action. Yes.
1: Very nice.
0: So we always end the show with three words, psalms, whatever it is, of inspiration on how typically, um, you know, you build your from the bottom up journey. But the journey here in the conversation we've been having is about just mental your mental mm-hmm, state and mm-hmm. keeping that sound. So what are your, um, three wrecks for, you know, just being good? Like how do, how do you stay good uh, as much as you can? Like that's relative. Things happen every day, but mm-hmm. what are your three pieces of advice for, you know, just getting through whatever you need to?
1: Oh, that's interesting. um, it makes me think of this book called The Four Agreements. Yes. Uh-huh. I've read yeah. that a okay. nine times. Okay. <laughs> you know, not to take things personally mm-hmm. was something that really helped a lot. Um Integrity was one that I really thrived on, you know, building a sense of integrity, which really means being honest with yourself mm-hmm. and being honest with other people. But primarily, it was about keeping my promises to myself. Yeah. So if I said I was going to work out, if I told Shirley we were working out, yeah. then we worked out because I told her that, yeah. you know, Um And the last thing I, I think I would sort of say though is, um, do the work. Mm-hmm. Don't don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid. Um, allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to go into whatever space you need to be in, mm-hmm. and do that work. Because when you come through it, you you blow up. Yeah. You you blow up. You level yourself up, mm-hmm. and so yeah.
0: Those are great. I love all of that. (laughs) This has been a really, really powerful conversation. I'm happy that this happened. I feel like we need to have you back every season. When the season (laughs) changes, it's depression. It's spring now. So, like, what's happening now? Like, So, we need to figure that out because it needs to be something. But thank you so much for your time. It was a pleasure. That was very um, educational. Mm-hmm. So what you do shine through. And <laughs> I I appreciate the time that you took to come and have Thank this Thank you so
1: much. It was also my honor to be here. And, um, and I do plan to kind of do a little bit more of this kind of thing to sort of reach out to people and help them understand this process. Yes. A little deeper than they may currently understand it. Yeah. But I really do appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I really do. And this was dynamic. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much. Have a good weekend. Thanks. I don't want to say that. I'm going to make sure take that out. Have a good weekend. And we're going to And we're going to And we're going to To the top.